Tonight we're going to continue along the theme of talking about uh, lenses, um, and specifically we're going to cover tonight's lie, which I will get right with God when I am older. Um, so let's start off real quick, and we'll start with what's the dish definition of what it means to get right with God, okay? So I'm going to read this little definition. Uh, being right with God means you believe in J Jesus Christ, that he lived a sinless life, sacrificed his life to cover your sins, rose from the grave, ascended into heaven, and he will return again. You have trusted in him as Lord and Savior for the forgiveness of your sins, and you are living your life for him. That only way you can get right and have your sins forgiven is asking Jesus for your forgiveness and inviting him into your heart. I want to pause for a moment and say that if you have any questions about that, make sure you ask one of your leaders tonight, okay? Um, real quick, because I forgot, uh, does anybody need a Bible? We're going to get into the Bible, so while they're getting passed, just keep your hands up and uh, the leaders will come around and pass those around. Um, so now, now that we're on the same page of what it means to get right with God, okay, Let's talk about how I got that completely wrong, okay? So a little bit about me. You've already heard my name, so my name is Dan Fuhr. Um, I'm married to my wife, Steph, um, and I have two girls by the names of Bella and Elena. Um, I grew up in a Christian household. Uh, I actually started coming here to Fellowship Church when I was six years old. Um, I spent my years of being a kid playing baseball, playing soccer, and coming to church. Uh, we were pretty involved in the church. I attended things like Pioneers Clubs, uh, Vacation Bible School, which some of you have probably attended. Um, I had a few friends back then from church and sports, um, but none of them were really close to me. Okay. However, a lot changed when I went into middle school. Um, I went to Lake Lehman when I was a kid, uh, so specifically Lehman Jackson Elementary School. Uh, back then, when uh, middle school started, Lehman Jackson and Lake Knoxon came together into the same middle school. Uh, this was prior to the new high school and middle school that they built. It was actually in uh, what is now River of Life uh, Church. Um, so this, um, I tell you this because my life went through a very big change when I initially started going into middle school. Um, you guys can all attest that going from elementary school to uh, middle school is a very big thing. I don't know about you, I remember about changing classes. That baffled my mind. Like the fact that I had to go to a different class every period. Um, you know, and I remember one of the, uh, another big change was that there was a new influx of new kids coming into our school that we never had met before. Um, I actually remember I met my wife, now we weren't dating at the time, but I met my wife on the first day of middle school. Um, I also met these two boys um, that they will rename nameless, um, because at the time I thought they were my best friends. Uh, looking back, they're okay friends, but really bad influences, okay? Now, with that said, I am standing up here and saying that my sin problems were not caused by my friends, okay? I am my own person, just like you were your own person. Therefore, we need to own our own sin, our actions are not dictated by how, our, how others behave or how they treat us or how they want us to behave. We are responsible for our own actions and our own walk in Christ. That said, the people you hang out with do influence your behavior, so you need to choose your friends wisely. 
A wise pastor I know by the name of Nick once said, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Um, so Jesus said in Matthew seven thirteen to 14, enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. In middle school is where I started my journey towards the wide gate of destruction. I, and, I let, and let me tell you, Jesus was very right when he spoke these words. And I'll go into a little bit about why. Okay. Um, my path of destruction was extensively filled with sin throughout middle school, high school, and college. Um, I started drinking alcohol in middle school. I started doing drugs in high school. I did not keep myself for marriage, which means I had numerous inappropriate physical relationships with girls in high school. I emotionally hurt a lot of people because my pursuit of relationships was not focused on good things, especially the relationship girls. I broke the law, was arrested multiple times, almost died numerous times from doing very dumb things, uh, like drinking too much alcohol and uh, falling asleep in a pool. Uh, but by the grace of God, there was somebody there to pull me out. Slacked off in school, so I barely made it into college. I actually remember every school that I applied to denied me, except for one. So I only had one. So if I wanted to go to college, I only had one choice. Uh, the reason I stand up here and tell you these things, it's not a badge of honor. But to stand up here and say that I did it, and I did most of what's out there, and I deeply regret it every bit of it, um, with my whole heart. These things happened 20 years ago, right? I've been out of high school for 20 years. And though Christ has forgiven me of all those sins that I did, because his grace is sufficient to do so, I still to this day live with consequences of sins that I committed 20 years ago. Because Jesus forgives the sin, but he may or may not remove the consequence. Consequences are God's way of reminding us of our sin so that when the sin presents itself again to us, we can recognize it quickly and we can turn away from it. But it is our choice to turn away from it. But we can. So now let's uh, fast forward about 13 years, okay, from high school and middle school. Or middle school. And I'm now 24 and my life changed in a very big way, or I should say a very big way, but in a very small package. Um, he changed my life through a baby, a baby named Bella. And on September 5th, 2010, God flipped my world upside down. And at that time, I was riddled with anxiety, trying to figure out how I was going to take care of a baby when I couldn't even take care of myself. But Bella was the blessing, in hindsight, that God was going to use to turn my life around and turn my life towards him. Um, my wife and I, Steph, were not married at the time, um, but we decided we at least wanted uh, our child, Bella, to know of God, okay? And I say of, right? We weren't going to teach her anything about God, but we were going to let her know of God, okay? That way, when she was older, she could make the decision about whether or not she wants to follow faith or not tried the Catholic Church first because I married into a very large Italian family 
and they were all Catholic. So we're like, all right, well. And uh, one of the Italian things was to make sure that your um, child was christened uh, by a priest. And we said, why not? It's just what you do. We love her. We want her soul to be saved by a priest, okay, which is what the Catholics believe. Sidebar really quick, all right. Being christened or baptized does not save you. Only Jesus can, okay? You have questions about that, you're baptized or christened as a baby, and you've got questions about that, please talk to one of your leaders, okay? So the Catholic Church really didn't feel right for us, um, it, it, so we quickly stopped going to that direction. Then, unfortunately, a longtime family friend of mine passed away, and I attended um, his funeral at this church, actually in this room, which, by the way, used to be our worship center. And um, right there, where Chloe is sitting, is where I attended that funeral, okay? And at that time, at that funeral, as Mark likes to say it, Mark Weiss likes to say, I got hit with the Holy Spirit two by four, okay? All of a sudden, I was suddenly flooded with these feelings and these questions going through my mind, like, what am I doing with my life? Or why did I leave the church? Why did I commit all those sins? Why did I hurt all those people? I also had a sudden strong pull to be back with the people that I was seeing in this church at that time, at that funeral, that I had grown up with as a kid. You know, people like Pastor Mark, who actually was the pastor over that funeral. So I, I got home, and, you know, I told Steph what had happened, um, how I felt. And that's when we decided that we were going to go, um, we decided to try Fellowship Church, okay? So there was so much change that happened really, really quickly after I accepted Jesus basically again. You know, I prayed the prayer when I was seven or eight years old. I don't remember exactly, you know, but in hindsight, you know, it was just meaningless. I didn't actually mean it with my heart. And I recommitted my life to Christ at that moment and went in that funeral at that time. And so much changed, like, really quickly after that. You know, we started coming to Fellowship Church to our first service. Um, we loved coming to church. I remember it was, they had moved it over where we were in the gym at the time. We sat in the very front. You know, Bella was in her little baby carrier, you know. And, uh, you know, we loved the preaching, even though, you know, as a new Christian, basically, it was very convicting. I actually remember one of the first sermon series that we came into that Pastor Mark was um, preaching on was called Taming the Tongue. Let me tell you that was conv convicting because I don't know about your non-Christian friends, but they tend to use a lot of curse words, and I was also one of those. Um, so Taming the Tongue was actually one of those very uh, convicting sermons. You know, we love the music. You know, we love the worship. Uh, we loved volunteering, you know, for kids' ministry and all these different things. And Steph and I um, actually were convicted about our marital status at the time because we were not married when we had Bella. Um, and we were actually in the middle of planning our wedding that was supposed to happen in 2013. Uh, but in 2012, we actually decided to privately get married ourselves, um, just with very close family, um, just as a way of honoring God, okay? The, the, there was a lot of change that came with when I recommitted to Christ. Um, so, 
Now, I've been up here for about 20 minutes, and you're probably wondering, why is this dude telling me his life story? Um, I, I'm telling you the story as a warning and as a testimony to God's power and desire for us to live our lives for him because it is what is best for us, okay? A warning not to follow the path that I followed, and that's God's amazing grace is sufficient, and Jesus' blood can cover any sin you have committed, any sin. Um, my story uh, brings two uh, scripture pas uh, passages to mind, uh, first being a parable that Jesus talked about, uh, the parable of the prodigal son. So if everybody in here can turn to Luke 15, that's Luke 15, and we're going to go over pa uh, verses 11 through 32. A page? Yeah, okay. Okay, everybody there? Anybody need leader help? Okay, this is kind of a longer one, so I'm going to read this, okay? And he said, there was a man who had two, two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to, need, to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to be one of the citizens of the country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs eat, ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against you in heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of the, your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against you in heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and the shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this, is my, son was, for this my son was dead, and he is alive again. He was lost, and he is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to them, Your brother has come home. Your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received back safe and sound, but he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, 
These many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me. All that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and he is found. So, unfortunately tonight, and I say unfortunately because there is a lot in this passage, okay? Today we're going to focus on um, verses 17 through 22, just because we don't have enough time to go through the whole thing, but I do encourage all of you to go through and study this passage because there's a lot of um, great wisdom that Jesus is teaching in this parable, okay? So, I want to share three lessons that I've learned uh, from this passage um, the first is, God is looking for his children. So if you look at verse 20, it says, And he arose and came to the father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him. Okay? This verse tells us that the father was looking for his child, just like God is looking and seeking after his children, which is us. Another example of God looking for his children, you could actually find in Luke 15, where Jesus uses the example of a shepherd that was over a flock of a hundred, and he leaves 99 of those sheep to go look for one. And it's showing us the importance that God puts on every single one of us. Okay? We're that important to God. Another one is uh, when you do come back to your father, we must confess and repent of our sins. Okay? If we look at verse 21, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. The son is confessing his sins just like we need to confess our sins to our father in heaven. It doesn't matter what you've done. God's grace is greater than whatever you've done. God's grace is greater than the worst mistake or worst sin that you have ever made or ever will make. Um, lastly, when, it comes back, when we come back to the Father, we will uh, be welcomed with open arms. So if we look at verses 22 through, or, yeah, 22 through 24, but the Father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. And they began to celebrate. Uh, if you uh, look in the Bible commentary by Tony Evans, I think he paints a really great picture of what this uh, verses 22 through 24 is saying. Uh, that a beautiful picture of salvation, the restore, restoration of erring saints, a destitute sinner, comes to a holy God in repentance and faith with nothing to offer but desperate need. God the Father responds with love and compassion, granting the sinner all the privileges of sonship in the family and showers him with blessings. Every, um, it showers him with blessings. Um, all of heaven rejoices when a sinner returns home or returns to God. God wants every person on this earth to come home but he requires faith in his son to enter the door. And, and then a second passage um, that this reminds me of, if you want to turn to 1 Corinthians, so if you want to go to the right, am I right? Yeah, right. 
1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 12. And if you need help, the leader will gladly help. New Testament. I mean, chapter 6. Everybody good? Yep, 6, 9 through 12. All right. If you're having a little trouble, um, it will be on the screen for you, okay? So um, I'm going to read the passage uh, real quick. So, or do you not know that the unrighteous will, be not, will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, or the adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor the revilers, nor the swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, by the Spirit of God. So the reason I bring that verse up is uh, I was one of those people that had an abundant amount of sin in my life that I allowed to rule over me. I was, my life revolved around sin uh, Paul, that Paul was referring to in this passage when he wrote it. Um, but in God's amazing grace, he washed me, which means he cleansed me of my sin, he sanctified me, which he spiritually set me apart from the world. If you accept Christ as your Savior, you are set apart from the world, which is one of the big reasons that we're going through this Lenses series is because we are to be set apart from the world. Um, and he justified me. Not to myself, but he reconciled me to himself through the saving work of Jesus Christ on the cross. So in, in conclusion tonight, um, I want to highlight a few things that I want you to take away. Is don't be like me when I was younger. You know, you're at a, that age right now that I still have a lot of regrets. And uh, if I can say anything tonight is don't be like me. Be like Jesus. Uh, don't go down the path of destruction just because it's easy and everyone else is doing it. And it may sound fun. Trust me. You will regret it. All right. So a few ideas. Um, you know, create time, uh, more time to be with your friends who help you grow in your faith and not pull you farther from God. Or your friends pushing you to go out and party on the weekends or to find a way to serve and glow, grow closer to God and Jesus. Instead of spending so much time on your phone late at night, which is typically a breeding ground for sin, leave your phone in the other room and open up your Bible or pray to God. If we looked at your search history, what would it reveal? Does it honor God, or does it indulge in sinful desires? Consider the music that you listen to, and the themes that they present. Are they put punishing or pushing you towards God, or encouraging you to do things that grieve the heart of God? 
You may not think this is a big deal, but what you listen to will predominantly influence what you think, believe, and love. Seek a relationship that honors God physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Are you putting God first in your relationships, in all aspects of your relationships, which includes, yes, the physical part of your relationships? Um, yes, my story has taken a turn, and now I'm living for the Lord, but that wouldn't, that's not necessarily the case for everyone. I wish I would have listened to those that were trying to guide me towards the path of righteousness. I wish I would have, would have listened to the teaching in youth group back then instead of turning away. Teaching that is just like you've been hearing throughout this series. You have to make a choice, and it's a very important choice. Yes, God is always there. He'll be, he's waiting for you, seeking you, wanting you to return to him, and he will be there the second that you turn to him. Filled with compassion and great joy over your return, welcoming you, you with deep and lasting love. But the choice is yours, and yours alone. Do you want to live in your flesh, a slave to sin, constantly chasing after the next best thing, yet never being truly satisfied or at peace? Or do you choose to live your life for God, the peace giver, the only true satisfier, the way, the truth, and the giver of eternal life? God gives you the choice. I pray, if you haven't chosen God yet, that you will. I promise you that's the best decision that you'll ever make. It won't always be easy, but it'll be good, be good for you. If you have a friend or a family member going down this wrong path, they need the light of Jesus in their life. You need to show them that light. If you have sinned, there is no sin that Jesus' blood cannot cover. But you need to go to him in prayer. You need to confess and repent of that sin. And because he loves you in a way that is unimaginable and incomprehensible, he will forgive you. So don't get right with God when you get older. You need to get right with God now because you have no idea what tomorrow holds. You know, James in James 4.14 says, For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Life is short, so you cannot wait to get right with God. Um, so first I want to thank everybody for giving me the opportunity tonight to share my story of redemption uh, with you tonight. Um, and if we could just take a moment and pray, I'd appreciate it. Heavenly Father, I thank you for tonight. Thank you for this opportunity for uh, teaching. Uh, Lord, I pray if any person in here is feeling the leading of your spirit, pulling on their heart to respond to Jesus, to turn away from their sin in their life, I pray that they would not wait, that they would do it now and do it tonight. Lord, I thank you for your forgiveness, that even after all the sin that we do against you, that you love us so much that you sent Jesus to die for us, to save us so that we may one day spend eternity in heaven with you. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.